This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. My name is Maor Soler. Today, I'm joined by professors Vladimir Kalinchenko, Jim Greenberg, and Alan Job, who are authors of today's article for discussion, Nanoparticle Delivery of Pro-Angiogenic Transcription Factors into the Neonatal Circulation Inhibits Alveolar Simplification Caused by Hyperoxia. Professor Kalinchenko is director for the Center for Lung Regenerative Medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, Professor Alan Job is a neonatologist and director of the Division of Perinatal Biology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And Professor Greenberg is co-director at the Perinatal Institute and director of the Division of Neonatology at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital. Thank you all for joining us today. So Dr. Job, tell me about why you were interested in studying the lung endothelium in the context of bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Well, this is really a follow-on on the kind of stuff that Steve Admin has been doing for years making the case that uh, the major phenotype of BPD is alveolar simplification. And the problem is if you mess up, with it, mess up the vessels, you, don't, you get alveolar simplification. If you try to fix the alveolar simplification, um, then you have to have the vessels as a, as a party to that. So um, this is really the concept that BPD is as much a vascular disease as, as, it, as it is an alveolar disease. And um, so what I found interesting, particularly about this study, is that if you take the really, you know, the 36,000, nobody's at 36,000 feet anymore because we're not flying, uh, view of this, um, people have been messing around with stem cells in this disease for about 10 years. And there's one brief report out of Korea about five years ago that looked modestly positive. And the problem is, is it's been complete silence ever since. And so this approach has some great advantages because first of all, using nanoparticles, you, as Vlad will tell you, people actually understand what they are. When you give cells to somebody, you don't have a clue what's happening. The other thing is since you put a cargo in, you know what it is, which allows you to study mechanism. Well, with if you dump cells down the preterm baby's lung, you don't have a clue what's happening. And so I think that there's some real advantages both scientifically and therapeutically to get at this using this sort of strategy, which is sort of a, a, a baby form of uh, cell therapy. So Dr. Kalinchenko, um, tell me a little bit about the project. How did this project come about and, and what was your overarching hypothesis when you started? Uh, so as Dr. Job just mentioned that the Big idea here is to target specific cell types in the lung, in particular lung, capillary, endothelial network. And if the idea is that if we can deliver prongeogenic genes and make um, this capillary network more dense, that would provide improvement in alveolar genesis, and which is generally disrupted in bronchopulmonary dysplasia. So, uh, instead of using cells or um, chemotherapy, uh, or um, instead of using cells or drugs to improve 
formation of the vessels. We are using delivery vehicles for gene therapy to go directly into endothelial cells, make them to proliferate and build more vascular network with the hope to improve alveologenesis in a disease state. So you've all mentioned nanoparticles a few times. Dr. Greenberg, what, what are nanoparticles and, and, and how are they use, being used uh, today as potential therapeutics? As the name implies, nanoparticles are very, very, very small um, synthetic particles that uh, can really be thought of as uh, a way of delivering cargo and specifically genes. So this has traditionally uh, been done uh, via uh, viral vectors uh, such as adeno-associated virus or uh, various lentiviruses or retroviruses. Um, a nanoparticle is a non-biologic way of delivering a cargo, uh, a, a, a gene that can be expressed uh, in a, a, ideally in a specific uh, cellular location. So it is a, um, uh, a technology that's not as far along as more traditional gene therapy uh, uh, technologies, but it's one that's showing increasing promise. And in this study, uh, really uh, uh, delivered uh, remarkable uh, results with respect to specificity and gene expression. So uh, Dr. Kalinchenko, how did you generate nanoparticles that could be targeted specifically to the endothelium? Um, so as Dr. Greenberg mentioned, there is a different types of nanoparticles. This particular group of nanoparticles called uh, polyethylenamine polyethylene glycol nanoparticles. They've been around for several years, and that is two polymers which form um, structures called polyplexes. This nanoparticles are approximately around 100 to uh, 100 nanometer to uh, one mic micrometer size. So they can be injected into bloodstream or can be delivered into trachea. For this specific purposes, we used intravenal delivery of nanoparticles for one specific reason, because endothelial cells would be the first barrier which would accept the nanoparticles. Uh, we used the formulation of PEA, PEG nanoparticles, which have been modified here in Cincinnati, in particular in uh, neonatology and pulmonary biology. So we used physiological fatty acids, palmaic acid and um, um, palmaic acid to make nanoparticles more specific to endothelial cells. The endothelial specificity is not dependent on receptor-ligate interactions, but dependent on charge. The nanoparticles have cationic charge. So they would, when they're available in the bloodstream, they would adhere to endothelial cells, which have a luminal layer of glycocalyx, which have a negative charge. So these are two important considerations here. The first, there is interaction between positively charged nanoparticles in neg negatively charged glycocalyx. And the second, the blood flow has to be reasonably slow 
for nanoparticles to get into glycocalyx. So the endothelial cells of big blood vessels with big blood flow would not be targeted here. The ideal cells targeted would be capillary endothelial cells. So um, after docking to glycocalyx, nanoparticles get internalized and then they fused with lysosomes, which are important to unpackage the nanoparticles. So the cargo becomes available inside of the cell. And in this case, that's non-integrating plasmids, which contain uh, cDNAs for two transcription factors, FOXM1 and FOXF1. So they can do their job to regulate downstream targets. So um, tell me how you use these endothelial targeted nanoparticles to deliver these transcription factors in a BPD model and, and what was sort of the rationale for, for using those two transcription factors? So the nanoparticles, as I mentioned, was delivered intravenously to make endothelial cells um, the first barrier. So it would be much better going through endothelial cells directly rather than to get uh, through other cell types. So the FOXM1 and FOXF1 transcription factors have been chosen because they are very important transcriptional regulators in endothelial cells, which are downstream with VEGF receptor signaling pathway. VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor is the principal uh, growth factor which stimulate formation of blood vessels. So it produces usually by epithelial cells and acts through VEGF receptors presence on the surface of endothelial cells. So FOXM1 and FOXF1 is downstream to VEGF receptor, acting, regulating genes which are important for angiogenesis. That includes genes which are, which are stimulating endothelial proliferation, genes which are responsible for endothelial contacts to each other, and genes which are responsible for the um, cell communication between endothelial cells and stromal cells. And so, and so after delivery of these nanoparticles, um, how successful were you at targeting the endothelial cells specifically? And how successful were you at improving the outcomes in the mice in the BPD model? So um, this particular paper has a lot of supplemental figures, which is covering very extensively this critical view as you just mentioned, how specific and efficient nanoparticles really is to deliver the gene. We have three lines of evidence to prove that that is specific and efficient. The first, we label nanoparticles with quantum dots. So we can visualize nanoparticles using lung slices or the enzyme digested lung tissue, which we analyze by uh, flow sorting. So we can see specific cell types using multiple markers. So in this particular way, we are labeling the core of the nanoparticles. So we see them going into endothelial cells very efficiently. And I need to mention also that in neonatal lung, these nanoparticles also target subset of stromal cells, in particular fibroblasts. 
which could also contribute to the nice effect which we see in the bronchopulmonary dysplasia. So that second proof that nanoparticles work, we encapsulate into nanoparticles the plasmid which have green fluorescent protein or GFP. So when we deliver nanoparticles, we can look for GFP signal coming from endothelial cells. And since that GFP is in the plasmid in the form of DNA, the only way how we can detect GFP signal would be if the nanoparticles gets delivered to endothelial cells, unpackaged correctly, produce functional GFP protein to produce fluorescence. And the third line of evidence, which we can prove that our nanoparticle work, we isolated this nanoparticle through flow cytometry, which called FAX sorting. And then we looked within endothelial cells, can we see the specific exogenous FOXM1 and FOXF1 proteins itself? Can we see the exogenous mRNA for this protein, which is different from endogenous mRNA? And we can clearly demonstrate the presence of exogenous mRNA within endothelial cells, but not with end in subset of fibroblasts using this particular delivery system through intravenous administration of the nanoparticle. And you, you also had really exciting results in terms of how, uh, how, how the mice did in, uh, when they were uh, given the nanoparticles uh, with the VEGF, uh, downstream VEGF transcription factors. Yes, so we looked at uh, several outcomes and one, the most important outcome, the late outcome, analyzing lung function. We clearly see improvement in the lung function parameters in the uh, pressure volume curve and the uh, resistance and compliance of the lung compared to the lung which are not, which uh, received uh, empty nanoparticles. And the other, the other alternative and uh, uh, readouts here were, uh, we examined gene expression, we see endogenous and exogenous genes, we examined proliferation of endothelial cells, very specifically by using um, flow cytometry and analyzing cells which uptake, uh, which uptake endothelial specific and proliferation specific markers. And we also analyze endothelial density, expression of uh, uh, proangiogenic genes. And so everything is suggests that we are improving vascular density, increase endothelial proliferation, and that in the long term, it results in improvement of the lung function. So uh, Dr. Greenberg, what do you think the therapeutic implications of these findings are? Will we be able to deliver nanoparticles to neonates uh, at risk or who are starting to develop BPD? Well, I don't think, well, we can certainly deliver nanoparticles right now. Whether it's a good idea or not remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, certainly this preclinical data is very intriguing. Uh, I've been a neonatologist for a long time, not quite as long as Dr. Job, but uh, for the, the uh, total length of my career, total duration of my career, uh, BPD has been a, a relatively intractable problem. And uh, 
we really have no way of effectively treating these patients. We can support them and hope basically that they get better on their own. So <clears throat> this uh, approach is very exciting and intriguing from a therapeutic perspective and suggests that there might be a way to intervene and safely intervene that uh, uh, could change the, the, the trajectory, if you will, of, of BPD. Um, now, having said that, there are some challenges uh, with the, the model. Uh, and certainly, the, the mouse model is not the same as, is necessarily the same as human BPD. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it really gives us a start to at least think about additional preclinical studies that we can pursue uh, in order to uh, um, sharpen our focus, if you will. And ultimately, these may require uh, other more complex animal models of BPD, more expensive models, such as primate models. But nonetheless, they're really going to give us an opportunity, I think, to move forward in addressing the uh, pathogenesis of the, of the problem. Uh, Dr. Job, uh, I wanted to also hear your thoughts about the uh, potential therapeutic implications of these findings. As with any new therapy, it's a long road between uh, a mouse and uh, human trials. Uh, maybe not so much for the COVID vaccine. They're sort of moving right along with that. Um, one of the things that's been interesting over the many, many years is that basically any anti-inflammatory that you give to a rodent model of bronchopulmonary dysplasia works. But none of them seem to work in babies except steroids. And the problem with steroids is they have pleiotropic effects. Uh, and one of the really attractive things about these nanoparticles is that they are targeted to function within the metabolic pathway, not at the high end of the metabolic pathway, so that you're less likely to have adverse effects. And so the same concept could be applied to antenatal steroids for lung maturation with the nanoparticle. Glad we should talk about that. Uh, but so the issue is, is who would you actually treat with this from the get-go? And it's, I think it's a little bit like cancer therapy. You don't treat the uh, patient who's likely to get better anyway with an experimental drug. But there's a new growth in industry in BPD, and that's that uh, large institutions are collecting the worst cases of BPD to try to understand better how to manage these kids. Because of all the trials that have been done on BPD, there's none basically on the chronic management of this 5% of these kids who end up with chronic ventilation, chronic oxygen use for years, in fact. Um, and they're a real problem. They're the biggest problem we have right now. And those babies would seem to me, they all have a degree of pulmonary hypertension because of pruning of the pulmonary microvasculature. So it seemed to me that they would be a, a perfect <clears throat> test population where, where we have no effective therapy <clears throat> and where we know microvascular development is a real problem. Now, they would be a real challenge for the, for the therapy because these kids are the ones with, that are way down the line with fibrosis and a lot of other stuff going on. But, I think it would be um, safe and ethical to try to uh, develop a therapy for this population of kids. And there are a number of units around the country that have these kids in uh, special units just trying to figure out how to manage them. 
So if I, I could add uh, on Alan's uh, really important comment, if I think about the uh, those chronic severe uh, BPD patients, uh, they always seem to die via a, va a pulmonary vascular pathway. They die from right-sided heart, heart failure and so on. So even with all the fibrosis and other issues going on, we've, we've, we've been fairly good at figuring out how to keep them going from a, a oxygenation and ventilation standpoint. And where we get stuck is with their uh, pulmonary vascular disease. So uh, it, it, it strikes me that this is the, the right target, especially for that, uh, the population that, that Alan has uh, pointed out. Well, I think this is all very exciting work. Congratulations to all of you. This is, uh, this is really exciting and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you guys and also uh, looking forward to seeing the potential of nanotherapy uh, for treating this disease in the future. Uh, so thank you all very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. To read the article discussed in the podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcasts. And if you like this episode, we'd love it if you let us know by leaving a review. Thanks for listening and have a great day.